From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Jim Warfare at tntradio.live. It's my email address. As always, thank you for the emails. Uh, I'll be with you uh, for the next hour with, well, Alex and somebody. Um, normally it's Joel, but it's Friday, so... We are we are we are going we're going a little bit anonymous. Uh, I don't know who's actually doing the video today, but someone is. That's why you can see me on the live stream on YouTube, Rumble, and wherever else we are live streaming from. The links are on TNT's website. And uh, as always, I'm going to be chatting to John O'Sullivan in a moment. I love I love doing that. Love ending the week chatting with a fellow TNT Radio colleague. So let's do that, Alex. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. John O'Sullivan, how are you? I'm really well, Jeremy. How are you? I am well. I'm 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 in that I'm in that December mode now. Are you? Uh yeah, is that a good thing though? I'm not so sure. I mean a lot of <laughs> load of people this time of the year, man, are very stressed. <laughs> I'm getting, it, I'm getting the stress is coming out now. People in the shops over why? in the UK. Yeah, why do uh, people get so stressed out? High expectations. They feel they have to perform. Mm. I believe people feel they have to perform, you know, put on their best face, you know, uh, seasonal goodwill. You know, I think it's a front for a lot of people. Um, it's kind of fake when you pretend to be really happy. A lot of us... Uh, mm. Yeah, you know, I've got SAD, Jeremy, <laughs> seasonal affective disorder. I mean, in the winter months, I'd rather be up in in bed, just chilling out and uh, binging on food rather than going out, you know, having parties. I'm not a party animal, but uh, it's got to mm. be done. I, I get the idea that you need to be a bit more sociable, meet the family and friends. But yeah, I got a very sh- short uh, social fuse, Jeremy. My my batteries get discharged very easily. Don't know about you, man, but. Yeah, after about an well, hour or two partying with people, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Here in South Africa, because we're in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, we don't get that white Christmas that uh, that that you always see in the movies. I mean, we don't know what it's like to have snow at uh, Christmas time. No. For us, it's beach weather. You know, it's sunny, hot beach weather, lying by the pool, you know, drinking cocktails, whatever. Uh, that for me is Christmas. But what my wife and I do every every year this time, I don't know about you, but if you don't, I recommend it, John. We always watch Christmas movies, and it's the it's the most hallmark time of the year ever. I mean, it's it's crappy rubbish movies, yeah. But yeah. you got to do it because it's so much fun. There's that one, for example, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, what's it called? Jingle All the Way. It's horribly oh gosh, cheesy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, horribly cheesy. But it's so it's so it's just so fun. Obviously, Home Alone. My wife loves Home Alone, so. Every year we've got to watch Home Alone. Just the first one. I mean, I think it's like five hundred of them. Um, and then, and then we kind of lead up to Love Actually, which I know every every Brit hates. <laughs> no, no, I I really don't like. Uh, I, I'm not that kind of romantic film thing. You know, I I like more of an action film. The Christmas films I can watch are Die Hard, Die Hard, Bruce Willis. <laughs> to me, that's a cracking, and Batman, typical Christmas. Yeah, anything like that. Bit of action, you know, not. Uh, not so much into the romantic uh, musical stuff, you know. I oh, that will put me t- to sleep very quickly, you know, Jeremy. Anything like that, um, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up watching a lot of films at Christmas that I remember as Christmas films that aren't really Christmas films. For example, Battle of the Bulge, 
which <laughs> what a classic war film, which is actually occurs over the Christmas period. But obviously it's a war film. But, uh, you know, to me, it, it it's, gets my blood going. You know, I love it. I love those old war films and uh, Great Escape. You know, I like The Great Escape with Steve McQueen. To, to me, that that's more festive. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm very odd. <laughs> I'm not really. Into no, the... I mean, no, it's absolutely fine. I mean, sorry, I, I, I have no issue with that. I'm, I'm just saying that it's always that time of the year. Uh, for us to uh, just to sit on the couch and um, and maybe have some some champagne or wine or whatever and and watch a ridiculously stupid movie. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell yeah. you what I do enjoy. I do enjoy that one with uh, is it Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn? Um, Four Christmases. It's extremely funny. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. extremely funny. But have you noticed also with some of those movies, um, like with Vince Vaughn, they generally have overlapping actors across different forms. I think that in real life, they're all friends. And so you see them in the same, in the same movies. Yeah. yeah I'm with you with that one. Yeah. Uh, another great Christmas film that I love from, from a child and I try and watch it when I can is it's, um, it's a mad, 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 mad world. I don't know whether you've heard of it, yeah. but it's a 1960s yeah. film with all the great classics of that time. As you say, all the actors were friends, they all teamed up and they did this nonsensical, you know, uh, journey across the states you know trying to outdo each other trying to look for the pot of gold uh to me that's fun and you know i love that kind of nonsense um but when my kids were younger i used to like watching the uh, the disney films but disney's gone woke now man i just can't face disney i'm done with disney yeah <laughs> i'm the same and and also i also have to always got to put out this disclaimer because with our kind of audience you know the the inevitable commenters yeah, it's Christmas is just commercialism and all that nonsense and it's paganism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all that. Um, I'm, I mean, we've been down this road, uh, but I'm still enjoying those movies with my wife and and I'm not, you know, I'm not ending up on a pentagram doing seances with candles because I've watched Love Actually, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just unwinding from the year behind. Yeah, I definitely can watch some films with my partner that I can't watch on my own. As you say, there's like, I call them yep. the chick flicks. You know, you can watch a chick yep. flick if you cuddle up with your partner. Maybe, as you say, with, with a nice glass of wine, maybe a bit of a takeaway or some nice food, just chilling. Um, one thing I've got into, you, you may may have seen it yourself. I love these kind of jazz channels on YouTube that just like background music and they've got like yes, a lovely I like skyline them too. and let the jazz play and you're just chilling out, you know, with your partner. And uh, it's a wonderful theme now. Got wonderful Christmas themes. You know, you've got a little kitten on the on the sofa. You've got the log fire burning. You've got the snow outside and uh, it's all cozy in here. You know, all the warm colours. You know, it's a wonderfully well-lit scenario. And I, and I like that. You know, it's very cozy. But again, it's soporific. I'll, I'll be nodding off, you know, after a big plate of food. I'm, I'm done. And I, I've got to get down that gym, Jeremy. I mean, all I've been doing yesterday is frantically checking the gym schedule. When is, when's the gym open over Christmas? I need to know. <laughs> you should do what I do, John. Have have your own gym. Uh, I got I got sick and tired of exactly that, um, as well as waiting for uh, the bench press or whatever. And so I just decided to buy my own and build my own, sort of build my own one in like a prison style uh, squat yeah. rack, bench press, whatever, in, in my garage. Yeah. Do you have a Smith machine? Do you have a Smith machine? Do you have um... the Smith machine? Don't blaspheme here, John. That's that machine <laughs> aids you. That that's the one yeah. that helps you do squats. No, you should never do that. That'll hurt you. There's oh, a reason I... why. There's a reason why you're not supposed to do that machine because you're not supposed to have <laughs> the machine helping you. <laughs> because why? It's it's an artificial movement. Your your body has to yeah, naturally yeah. take that weight down and back up again. 
Yeah, you're more into compound lifting, I guess. You're more of the free weights, man. Get the barbell out, get the dumbbells out. Yeah, mm. you're like my mm. son. My, my son is, I don't know whether I've told you this before, but my son is actually a semi-professional powerlifter. Two-time oh, champion, two-time European champion. So again, we could have very, very in-depth conversations about the purity of lifting. But uh, I'm old well, you, if your son, if your son, if your son is is that good you should never say the word smith machine <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, i mean i'm allowed because i'm i'm over 60 now jeremy i, I i'm like looking forward to longevity rather than going for the max <laughs> I, I don't go for the one rep max i don't do the wrong one rep max anymore no no I'm i don't toning I don't do up. That. you know i'm toning up as long as i don't mm. get the beer belly over christmas jeremy I'll, I'll be i'll be quite happy with that you know my but my it, days of competitions are gone you know, and this is what I said to my wife the other day. I'll I'll get back into the gym after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I like to go three or four times a week, at least three or four times a week. Um, I, I sleep so much better. And um, during lockdown, mm. everything was shut down. And I got into training outside and I began to realize I became a bit of a virtue signal about grounding. You know, go out and get out and get my feet in the dirt kind of thing. And um, in all weathers, rain, snow, I'd be out there in my shorts and vest with my resistance bands, you know, I love the resistance bands. They're so effective. They give you such a good pump. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was me during lockdown. So I, I totally get the idea of doing it at home, Jeremy, but something about going to the gym, it kind of like going to work, it gives you kind of discipline and, uh, you see the same people, you see the progress. And I like to just say hi to one or two people. Um, I'm a bit of a hermit, Jeremy, I don't go out enough. So going to the gym mm. is like a little bit of a social thing for me. But you know, yeah. it works for some people. But I mean, not, not no, I mean, and 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 also, it, it acts as a type of motivator. The other people, they kind of, in a way, keep you accountable. Yeah, because I know if they get there a Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Boxing Day, and I see God, you know, half the people here are, are here, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to skip off tomorrow. I'll be back again, and uh, I think it's subliminal, and I like that kind of camaraderie um yeah but some of the people you meet at the gym jeremy are, are the most motivated people you can see in life i just look at the car park jeremy and all these new cars parked there you know these are people who don't just train hard they obviously work hard they, they, these yeah. are motivated up and coming try harders and i must tell you also i don't know about you um i don't really get okay maybe i do get a little bit inspired by the guys who are super jacked right like the guys who are really well built but mm. I actually find myself more motivated when I see a fat person in the gym, because True. you know how much you know how much motivation it takes to be completely overweight and get into the gym. Uh, it's for me that is really inspiring. Yeah, I think most the most heartening thing I've seen, Jeremy, is somebody who comes in as you say, really out of shape, and they they're in mm. there week in week out, and you see them over a year or two. Um, you know, I went up to one person in the gym the other week and said, God, your progress is phenomenal. They must have lost, you know, 20, 30 kilograms. Um, yeah. they look a different person. Like the clothing fits better. That that's the first thing you notice about going to the gym. If you if you do it properly, everything you wear just looks that bit sharper, that little bit neater. Um, you know, a lot of people now during lockdown, they got grungy, you know, the people weren't going to work as much. They're working from home and got living, bringing living in sweatpants and hoodies and, you know, really scruffy. And I think dress code has gone out the window. I, I like, I mean, the good thing about going video with, with TNT is I've actually put a jacket on now and again, I put a proper shirt on with a collar. <laughs> They've been my wardrobe and I haven't been wearing them, Jeremy. I thought, well, now I've got an excuse to actually make an effort and dress for work. <laughs> yes. 
that that's a very good point actually because now you know <laughs> now you know that you're being held accountable you you have to brush your teeth and do your hair and put on a nice shirt <laughs> exactly that i mean i i've made the point you know make make sure my face is i shave unlike you jeremy i'm not into the stubble look i mean i like i'm old school i'm older than you guys, and uh, <laughs> i need to shave before i come on air you know otherwise um, i look the reason- a lot older <laughs> The reason why I have stubble, John, is because if I shave, I look younger than my wife and she doesn't want that. So I, I'm under strict law in this home that I may not shave. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like at that age now, you've got that bit of salt and pepper coming through your beard. That's always a good look, yep. you know, a, a bit more sophisticated, wiser look, you know, the, you know, the shrewd old sage <laughs> appearance, you know, the amount of wisdom, sharing sage. wisdom with us. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I, I can picture you sitting at the top of a mountain, you know, with the, what's that, what's that image? Uh, it, it's a sage, isn't it? And people it climb up sage. the mountain yeah, in yeah. the cartoons. <laughs> yeah, you, you got that. You're, you're growing that look, work on it, nurture it, you know, you know that, rather that than die young. The problem with me though, is I've got a, I've got like an olive complexion, right? So if I, if I grow a beard, I'll probably be arrested if I land in Heathrow. <laughs> the jihadist yeah we so much of that lately aren't we the jihadis um i've still got that long going thing going on with uh, the, the facebook you know as you know we mentioned it before in previous weeks that uh the mm. gaza israel thing is just oh yeah but i've noticed that people that the hardcore pro israelis are f- kind of falling away a bit now they're not uh banging the yeah. drum quite so much it's because um i think israel's losing the propaganda war yeah, I feel that. Yeah, the, the the kind of image of Israel is is virtuous democracy, the only democracy in the Middle East. You know, oh, how virtuous! And uh, they're like flying the banner for the West. <laughs> no, they're yeah. not a democracy. If you know anything about Benjamin Netanyahu and the Likud party, you know they shut down you know, effectively any disagreement. It's like he's a in big trouble. State. Yeah, mm. you know, the guy is a, a tyrant. But he's a war criminal. You know, people don't know that. He's a a hardcore criminal, I believe, and I think he needed the war to kind yeah. of dodge a bullet with the judiciary. I think that he was facing a criminal criminal trial anyway. Um, deeply unpopular, I think. Like over ninety percent of Israelis want him out. So yeah, he, he's desperately clinging to power, just like in Ukraine. You've got Zelensky, the same situation that they're fighting a pointless war. Um, you know, again, another U.S. proxy nation. You know, these proxies uh, they do their bidding for the U.S. Um, the American people don't need this. The tax burden is huge, and I, and I think we're all getting sick of it now. Well, as you say, ninety percent of the Israelis want Netanyahu out, and Netanyahu wants ninety percent of the Palestinians out. So they have something in yeah. common. He also wants all the Ethiopian Jews out as well. Let's be clear about this. This is a racist apartheid state. I've seen many people. I've seen hard videos, you know, on people's smartphones where the Ethiopian Jews. In Israel, get a really, really tough time. They're third-class citizens, Jeremy, and uh, reminds me very much of the old apartheid system in, in your country, and also in the, you know, the Jim Crow era in the U.S. You know, the segregation is 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 wrong. It's just, and people don't know this stuff. The media do a very effective job of blocking out the truth about Israel. Mm. I need to wake up about that. Actually, it's a it's a very very good um, talking point, apartheid, um, because what what's going on in Israel is quite different to what happened in South Africa, um, but but it generally the principle is the same. Yeah, I think the difference is that um, 
the Arab nations, it's 450 million Arabs surrounding Israel. There's seven by seven million Israelis. You don't want to upset the Arab world. The, you know, the Arabs, um, I, I believe that the BRICS nations are rising, and I, and I tr truly believe it's a good thing. I'm really in, in favor. Mm. You know, the Arabs, um, I, I believe that the BRICS nations are rising, and I, and I tr truly believe it's a good thing. I'm really in, in favor mm. of the multipolar world. I'm a big favor of uh, yeah. big favor of the new statesmanship from Putin. I'd rather have Putin, you know, on the world stage as you know speaking than, than Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden is anything other than a, a puppet warmonger. Wait, At least can't Putin's speak. trying to end it. He can't even speak. He'll fall over all the time. Um, <laughs> I quite enjoyed uh, Putin uh, playing with the media yesterday. I saw him on the uh, with a bit of AI. You know, he did a little media promo thing when he was, you know, mm. showing how the AI systems are coming in. Russia's going to embrace it. You know, you can't fight it. Um, again, you've got Elon Musk on the other end of the scale, who's um, a hardcore tech guy, who I believe the transhumanist agenda is something that worries me. Um, you know, yeah. Elon Musk has very much uh, talked up the transhumanist agenda, likes us to all to be wired into the, the Internet of Things. I I'm not into the IoT, Jerry. I, I don't like to have my brain wired into my fridge freezer. Some people are like that, like to be able to remotely switch on the aircon or the central heating or start their car up in the morning before they go to work remotely. But no, I, I quite like my integrity, you know, my body, my choice, you know, and I, I'm going to hold on to that my body, my choice thing, because I think it's one of those wonderful glib phrases that if you you know, one of the, the leftists, you know, really promoted that, didn't they, back in the day for, for abortion. But during the yeah. pandemic, a lot of um, anti-vaxxers said, well, come on, you've got to be consistent here. Don't be a hypocrite. If it's my body, my choice for abortion, it's got to be my body, my choice for the GB jab. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm holding on to that. And I think that's quite effective. A little bit of consistency is what we need here. Mm. John O'Sullivan, don't go anywhere. Be back with you shortly. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. To, I bet you more than fifty percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to. Uh, that part of the world these people are have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh the two of one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt a year ago, I couldn't afford the rent anymore. I had no support and I was out of options. I had to sleep wherever I could. I thought, am I going to be out here on Christmas Day? Your urgent donation of £29.73 could help make this Christmas the first day of someone's life beyond homelessness. I'm so glad crisis was there. I could finally get warm. someone in my corner. I got something for you. This Christmas, I'm here, home, because my first day at crisis was my last day on the streets. This Christmas, thousands more people across the UK will be facing homelessness. 
We urgently need your donation. Search Crisis at Christmas or scan the QR code to give £29.73 now. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Uh, just before the break, John, you mentioned uh, Elon, and I did a very interesting podcast recording uh, this week with a, a guy called Steve Falconer. Uh, he's got a fantastic channel called Space Busters, and he focuses a lot on, well, busting things to do with space, uh, like like uh, the space station and sp- space travel. And he, he makes the argument that that space travel itself is basically the same as Hollywood. It's a huge entertainment industry with a massive, massive, massive amount of money being made. Uh, and um, and he took me through a bunch of photos and videos. I, I've got to tell you <laughs> that let's start with that car that Elon supposedly yeah. launched into space. I don't think he did that. I think that was a hoax. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Why would you do that? You know, that's kind of ridiculing yourself. It's not making yourself a serious candidate for space space exploration. I think you, even when you're a billionaire, I believe you have kind of some social responsibility. You need to convey a sense of uh, the for the greater good. You know, I think altruism should be a factor when you're mega mega rich. And uh, that to me was just showing off. That's like a teenage boy showing off. And I get that in your yeah, own I mean, private life, but yeah. But I mean, if you business, look at the if you look at the 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 official footage, right? of that of that launch there are so many anomalies that that in hindsight don't make any sense and uh, steve made the point that people get so caught up in the emotion and the euphoria like this is amazing um, uh, go spacex that they don't actually look at what's going on and the most obvious things start start popping right out at you like you know like localized lighting on the car and and also things mm. like the amount of mathematics required to to get a rocket successfully into space it's, it's a large amount of of, of, of engineering and a car with, with a guy sitting in it is an extremely awkward shape. You know, just think like little things. Well, not only that, I mean, get, get a little bit of technical issue here. I mean, I've got a technical issue with the fact that um, a car is set up to run on, you know, certain systems within the vehicle that require uh, pressure, you know, one atmosphere pressure, say. Um, when you're going out into zero atmosphere, you're in a vacuum. All of that goes out the window. You've got safety issues there. You're going to, I mean, you'd have to completely strip the car out. You know, oil, all the fluids have to come out. You know, if, if you've got any hydraulics, that's got to come out because uh, all this stuff is very problematic in, in, in zero gravity and with a, with a vacuum. Um, you're creating more problems than solving. And again, I, I, I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I read that. He, he did actually strip the whole thing right down. So it was just a shell of a car. It wasn't even a proper car. And what's the point? You know, I don't see yeah, how but that I mean, advances I saw, human knowledge. Or... I, saw, I saw photos of that car in a, in a studio um, yeah. set up in a way that looks very conspicuously like what we saw in the official footage. Yeah, Green screens. I'm... Cameras, lighting. Yeah, yeah. You reminded me of Bart Sibrel. Bart Sibrel is the world's leading uh, mm. debunker of the Apollo moon missions. And Bart's been on my show a couple of times. A lovely guy. Yeah, he's great. Very pleasant mm. guy. Terrific guy. And there's more stuff. I picked up a, um, a video from the Anonymous group. The Anonymous group put a video out about a week or two ago. Again, ripping the crap out of the uh, so-called moon landings. And again, it's gaining traction because we are living in a false paradigm. I believe all the mainstream narratives are now falling apart. We've been lied to pretty much on everything. 
Mm. I'm prepared to believe that the Apollo missions could have been rigged because Werner von Braun, who was the, as you know, the top German prepared, scientist, kidnapped. He said it couldn't be to done. Believe. <laughs> no, it's yeah, definitely not yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, he said the only way you could actually have a mission to the moon is to have stop-off points. You know, just like they did mm. when um, Captain Scott explored the Antarctic. You need to have waypoints where you pick up supplies, drop off, and you know. You can't just go there and back in one shot. Um, even yeah. today, Elon Musk is saying it can't be done. So how they did it over 50 years ago, again, you know, using a technology which is even le less te technology than you have in your smartphone. And again, they're flying by the seat of their pants. Quite a few of those astronauts, um, well, I think all of them were, were in the Masons. I think that's one of the entry requirements for the space program. You have to be part of the elite. It's not just in the military. I mean, obviously, it was a military program, but I'm definitely considering the idea that it was like a CIA um, kind of psyops. I think the whole thing was a psyops. And the only sticking point I've got, Jeremy, is the fact that Chinese and Russians didn't call it out. I mean, yeah, apparently they oh, did call no, it out. They, I never saw. They it. have been calling it out. Yeah. Um. You know what? You know what interests me though is um, Neil Armstrong. And the way that he went into um, hiding, he became a hermit. You know, he became an alcoholic and a recluse for many, many years. He didn't do interviews. And when he and Buzz did do interviews, they were vetted, highly regulated and controlled. I mean, that's kind of weird. Um, and then in 94, uh, at the White House, Neil Armstrong gave a very strange um, speech. And Joe Rogan actually spoke about this exact speech. I've got it here. Uh, he said... Uh, there, so, so keep in mind, he didn't mention the fact that he went to the moon. He didn't say anything about that. But he did say this. There are great ideas, undiscovered breakthroughs available to those who can re remove one of truth's protective layers. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. Again, it's almost a hat tip to the fact that we're living in a, a matrix. You know, everything is not what you think it is. And uh Again, like my colleague Joe Olson, an engineer, materials engineer, he's for a long, long time, Jeremy, said that if he looked carefully at the um, the different stages of the Apollo mission, the Saturn V rocket did not have the ability to carry enough yeah. fuel to get to the moon back. So how did they get to the moon back without yeah. sufficient fuel? Yeah, underpowered. Um, it's a fair point. You know, engineers can point out these errors. Ordinary people like you and I who don't know everything, we... we kind of rely on authority figures and it's always been that way we look to people we think we can trust and for many many decades we trusted politicians we, we trusted the medical profession we trusted uh leaders in the community well, we can no longer do that jeremy don't you feel liberated though i mean the COVID era the COVID era did that uh you know i I remember 9-11 we we all remember we all can remember what we were doing more or less on that day and it it had big repercussions. The domino effect was pretty significant. But then COVID arrived. And this was, in my opinion, probably the largest event, I think, in, in human history. Um, I mean, the entire world was locked down, the entire world. And, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then as a result, people became so cynical and so suspicious of authority figures and also what they were being told and for me this is quite liberating because it it, it kind of it's like a new type of renaissance people are, are are now revising what they thought they knew this is a good thing yeah the 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 
talking points in 2017, I remember the, the big talking points in the alternative media was the Q phenomenon and the idea of a great awakening. And I think that's kind of um, had legs. I think it still has legs because the, the people still talk about a great awakening. And that was quite prescient. You just, that, that phrase, I think, it resonates with so many people now. We are having to wake each other up and realize that um, bit by bit, we have a kind of social duty to, to realize that a lot of us have been duped, are still duped. People walking around with wearing masks, Jeremy, are still a, a, you know, going along with this nonsense. And uh, my ideas about, for example, germ theory and allopathic medicine have changed quite a, dramatically because of the pandemic. Yeah, mine too. You say, yeah, mine it was too. a major, major point in the perception of mainstream scientific advice. Then the realization that big pharma is concerned about providing treatments, not cures. Um, again, if you think it through logically, if you're a business person, you don't want to bring out a wonderful cure that cures everybody because then you've got no long-term profit. You need to have treatments. It makes sense to have a customer for life. Mm. Yeah, I've also changed my views on, on medicine quite a lot. Um, I've come to the conclusion that uh, most illnesses are not actually illnesses. Um, they're just they've just got different branding uh, so that the pharmaceutical yeah. industry can can create drugs for those things. Um, I th and I, I tend to align now more with people like Tom Cowan, Andy Kaufman, Sam and Mark Bailey, Stefan Lanker, David Rasnick and so on. And I, I have a suspicion that we're going to find this, this emergence in the coming years of, of people rejecting unnecessary pharmaceutical treatment. Make no mistake. If you, if you have a car accident and you break your leg, for, for sure, um, medical science is fantastic. But I think when you have a cold or headache or these sorts of things, um, over-the-counter type stuff, even even prescription stuff like antibiotics, I think we're going to start seeing more and more people saying no. They're going to start thinking more along the lines of preventative treatment rather than symptomatic treatment. Yeah, the prophylactic idea, the idea that, um, as you say, that uh, diet, terrain theory, I, I really yeah. read a lot. Um, during the lockdowns, I looked into um, the competing germ theory. It was um, basically Louis Pasteur versus his French counterpart, mm. Antoine Bichon. And on his I read deathbed, that book. Uh, yeah, mm. brilliant. And I I believe there's something to it. I, I've not completely abandoned germ theory because I'm quite willing to accept that there are bacterial infections. You can transmit that. But I'm, I'm quite skeptical, Jeremy, about viruses. I believe that... Um, you know, Andy Kaufman might be right that um, viruses are really exercises and it's the body's decleansing mechanism. And when we have the symptoms of a cold, that's just the body ex excreting waste. And, and, I, and I think a lot of the seasonal flus and colds and flu, um, again, that's just uh, the body clearing itself out. And people talk about infections. And I know people have said, well, I've had a cold and my friend had a cold last week. There's something going around. Well, yeah, but that could still be seasonal. You know, why do why do bears know when to hibernate? You know, why do we do certain things at certain times of the year? I think it's um, we're, we're a herd animal, aren't we? Herd animals, and I think our bodies are linked. If we eat more or less the same food, we're going to need to detox at roughly the same time. And stress being what it is, stress it will make a lot of people ill. Uh, I think that's something that overlooked. I think a lot of the great plagues of the past you know again i think that it's like kind of mass hysteria i think mass hysteria has been overlooked um, you can find that people are so have a sense of dread about some kind of impending world event 
it forces people, you know, in, into being ill. You know, you, you, you worry and stress is a terrible killer. It's, it's well known. Nobody disagrees with that. The, the idea that your heart is greatly affected by too much stress, too much cortisol. Um, so I, I think we all should take a fresh look. You know, the idea that maybe germ theory may not be completely right. Maybe terrain theory, the idea of prevention rather than cure. Um, the fact that we eat things that we call food that are not really food. I mean, how much of the stuff we buy in supermarkets is, you know, more by, by human hand than, than by natural process. And I think you kind of got it right with your lifestyle, more to do with you know, hunting and, you know, you, you, you source your own food. You go out and hunt. Um, you kill your food yourself. That's self-sufficient. Yeah. To me, it's more noble. Um, it's an interesting debate to have, Jeremy, and I and I do think we need to reflect on that. You know, that's something that I'm very interested in. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind that uh, the food that I hunt um, constitutes a small portion annually to what we eat because I mean, I can't I can't shoot that much. You know, we don't have enough mm. freezer space. And also, I personally am not really a fan of of game. There's a there's a type of well, it depends on the buck, but um, you know, there's a sharp sort of taste that I'm not terribly wild about. But um, never, nevertheless, you're right. I do hunt and I do try and and focus on diet a lot. In fact, for me, diet is one of the most important aspects of health. You know, you know what's funny to me, John, is over the last few years, so many people have come on board. Um, you know, waking up and going, oh, we must, we must uh, fight back, push back against the globalists and what the World Economic Forum wants to do and the UN sustainable agenda, sustainable development, all that sort of stuff. But then go right back to what they themselves are doing on the, you know, in their daily lives. And they're smoking, drinking too much. Uh, they're not eating right. And these are the most obvious starting points. You know, sort out what's on your plate. That's why I have Tim Lokes on my show quite often because for me eating right helps me sleep better it helps me think better mm. and of course i don't get overweight and i don't suffer from health problems because i'm i'm, I'm consuming way less carbohydrates and um, and sugar i i mm. eat a very 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 ketogenic diet generally speaking mm. yeah and I, not only that keep in mind again this is a season where we talk about uh, new year's resolutions people can um, I mean, I know for a fact I'll go on in the gym at the beginning of January and there'll be twice the number of people from the month before. Um, they're going to get the bug. They'll go hard at it for a month or two and then they'll drift away. But, you know, at least they're making the effort getting in there and hopefully they they, they keep at it. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's quite a good idea to be mindful of the fact that this is the time of the year to reflect on a bad habits, maybe get rid of your bad habits. One or two things could be tweaked a bit. I don't think... Uh, um, it's got, it's got to be sustainable, Jeremy. I don't believe in radical changes to your life, just small changes. Um, the idea that perhaps drinking more water. I mean, I got into the habit during lockdown of drinking a litre of water every day. I, I make sure I, I fill up a bottle of water and that water will be drunk by me every day, regardless of, of what I'm doing. You know, I'll, I'll still be yeah, drinking other things. What sort of water? Well, yeah, good point. I mean, uh, I buy tonic, uh, Indian tonic water, Jeremy. It's got quinine in it, quinine. I, I picked up on the uh, Andy Kaufman, is, you know, all the uh, guys who are talking about the uh, hydro, uh, you know, the idea of fighting this COVID infection by hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine is the latest um, iteration of quinine. Quinine, anybody who knows about the uh, gin and tonic as a drink, the gin and tonic favorite tipple of the British Army from India, from the Empire. 
came about because um, there, there was a problem, you know, with, with infection and malaria and that kind of thing. And they said well, the best way to treat that is to use a prophylactic. And the prophylactic of choice back then was to use quinine. And quinine being a very almost unbearable uh, bitter taste, they had to put it into a, a kind of new drink. They concocted a drink that made it more palatable. And the British Army back in the day being what they were, they liked their daily tot of, of alcohol. So in the in their in their ration of the alcohol, they said, "Well, we'll, we'll give you a new drink and uh, rum ration in the navy, but in the army, it was gin and tonic, and you had your quinine every day." And sure enough, it appeared to be effective. You know, the incidence of people getting sick went down. And uh, I think that the good uh, queen, the Queen Elizabeth II, who passed away, that was a lifetime tipple, Jeremy. She lived to a ripe old age. So <laughs> don't knock it. <laughs> John O'Sullivan, I'll be back with you in a moment. My name is Jerm. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, they're wrapping up the climate conference. And I got to tell you, folks, if these people do what they say they're going to do and what they're going to try to do, the world is in a lot of trouble. I have never seen such a gathering of sanctimonious know-nothings in my life. It makes what happens at the UN, which by the way is part of this, just go out of control. It's like it's on steroids. The biggest hypocrisy is claiming that you're going to do all this for the children of the world, your children and grandchildren. First of all, you are going to subject them to nothing but energy poverty the rest of their life. Secondly, most of these people that are supporting all this fossil fuel ending also support the term of human life depending on what a mother wants to do. Now, I'm not going to get into the fact that this is a person's choice. I'm strongly pro-life. But what I am going to say is when you come out and say to me, I need to save the climate to save the children, and then you advocate for policies that won't even let those children be born, what does that say about what is inside of you? I want you to think about that because there's a common thread in all of this. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Even the thought of dementia can feel scary. It's why we put off getting help, even though we've noticed changes in our thinking or memory. But an early diagnosis can change everything, giving you medical help and a support system around you to help you live better. Start with Dementia Australia's online checklist. Because the sooner you know, the more you can do. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, so the thing, John, is when we go into the new year, um, we're going to look back at 2023. And for you, was it was it a significant year? Was it a big year? Was it just a kind of uh, a passing through type of year for you? Well, to me, Jeremy, it was a year of consolidation. Um, a big factor in my life, probably the same with you, is that working with TNT Radio. I mean, I, I've been working, my main my main work is with Principia Scientific International. I've been doing that 13 years and um, built it up from just a couple of dozen you know, ground um, you know, normal scientists who um, wanted to share our ideas about debunking the greenhouse gas theory to what it is now, which is... Uh, you know, so many scientific issues that need to be confronted and exposed. And, I, and I'm really uh, gratified now that uh, we're 
breaking into more of a mainstream um, with TNT networking internationally, linking up with some wonderful guests. You know, you've had amazing guests. And uh, same with me on my show, Jeremy. We're networking with the great and the good. You know, those who never really had a platform or maybe did once have a platform, but spoke out against mainstream narrative and then were ghosted. Um, it's such re it's so refreshing to feel that, um, you know, we've done two years now at TNT Radio. We're going to go into our third year in January. Um, it feels like we've, we've done a lot of hard yards, you know, and as I said, 2023 was a year of consolidation, building up, uh, building a good platform to move forward and, and really you know, push ahead in 2024. And I'm really confident. I, I, I think I said to you before, Jeremy, all the crap that's going on in the world, it doesn't really get me down because it was far worse 12 or 13 years ago because people didn't know. But now they know. I mean, it feels bad because everything's coming to light. But the point is, it was always there. Now it's out in the open. We're dealing with it. We're fixing it. And, you know, we are making big strides forward. And I know it's going to be a, you know painful, maybe another few years to get things really done properly. But, yeah, maybe you agree. Um I'm in a happy place, Jeremy. I'm in a happy, contented place and just upbeat. 2023 was started off tough, but it's got better, I think. And the war in Ukraine, I think now, was the, you know, the big talking point a year ago. I believe that now is a war won by Russia. Um, you know, same, similar thing, I think, pathway in Israel with Gaza. You know, the, the great and the good are resolving their conflicts. The black hats are falling down. The old order. You know, the military industrial complex, the, those who really love these wars, they're being called out and they're falling down and they're, they're looking like the bad guys they really are. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, for me, 2023 was, was it, it depends on how you're looking at it. Um, you know, in terms of guests on TNT, I've had, I've really, really had some great guests. But yes, the thing for me, <laughs> I don't, I don't assume um, a higher degree of knowledge, which is precisely why I have guests so that I can learn. For me, it's been a roller coaster of learning. <laughs> I have, I have absorbed so much information from chatting to the most incredible minds around the world that it's so invigorating. Um, and and for me, it's I don't know about you, but just chatting to different people from around the world, it opens up one's mind, uh, and you you suddenly realise that. You, the world isn't this tiny little, this tiny little pigeonhole that you that you actually thought it was. You know, even something as simple as as going to another country, uh, which which we couldn't do for a few years, and suddenly it's invigorating to now travel again. You know, it's exciting again. So there's been a lot of weird and wonderful new new things that come that have come out of the COVID era, and for me, you know, learning has 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 been right at the top. Yeah. Um... I would agree with you. The only difference with me, though, Jeremy, is I don't really feel like I'm assimilating knowledge. I feel I'm a, getting into a mindset, getting into a more spiritual connection. You know, I, I think that the, the knowledge is always there. The body of information that you need is there. Um, it's mm. more accessible now. Um, there's not so much crap you have to wade your way through to get to the good stuff. Because um, I think we have new authorities, people that I feel have come through the system now. They've, they've done the hard yards. They're, they're, they're taking over. We have to have shortcuts in life because we're all so busy. We need to be able to talk to somebody 
who can give us a heads up on something to consider that we didn't have before. Again, we have an antidote to the mainstream narrative. You know, I, I like that. You know, I, um, maybe you're the same, but I used to just switch on mainstream news and watch that for years. But now I watch mainstream news and alternative news. You know, I listen to TNT and uh, Al, Al Jazeera. I listen to Al Jazeera. I listen to RT.com. Um, everything and anything that I thought once used to think was a propaganda, I now realize that our media, the Western media, that was you know pure propaganda and and now i'm looking at uh i'm not saying that these new media alternatives are the best i'm just saying that you get a more rounded view um again everybody's got their own agenda you know i know that if you look at china today i i read china today i look at the chinese what they're doing they would expose anything that they feel is counter to their interest just like the russians would and again we're all very good at self-interest so again, if you look at it from the different lenses of different people, you'll get an amalgamation of uh, you know, an approximation of the truth that you wouldn't otherwise get if you only look at your own media. That's exactly right. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. When you go to other sources of media, you pick up uh, you pick up nuances that you might not get, say, from what you normally read. I don't follow any um, mainstream media. I don't even read China Today or Al Jazeera. Um, not not by design or anything. I just, I just don't think about it. If that makes sense, I get so much, I get so much news and and updated updates on 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 events from X, for example, and yeah. Telegram. Yeah. For me, I, I don't ever find myself going to any news website unless I'm just trying to get a, a, a some sort of background or something. And even then, it's very rare. Yeah, the reason I do it, Jeremy, is to see which kind of narrative is being pushed. I look at the point that Al Jazeera, RT.com, China Today, they're serving first and foremost, they're paymasters. Um, I mean, you could argue TNT Radio is the same. We we obviously have a an ethos that comes from the top down. You know, we work within a framework that we all agree on. So again, I, I think it's good to look at it from that lens. And I also like to see change. For example, I've seen the BBC shift slightly. You know, so I look at you know, these mega corporations and are they going to shift? Fox News, CNN, you know, Sky. I, I'm looking at things. I'm looking for subtle changes to show that there's progress. Um, as you say, for raw news, yeah, Telegram, definitely Telegram. X again, raw, unfiltered largely. Um, I like what Elon Musk has done there. But again, um, yeah, I, I think it's just I, I feel more complete if I look at the whole gamut. Um, I like the idea of, of, of also keeping looking for new angles and always something new coming through, you know, the, the new thing on the block. Uh, I mean, Andrew Tate, I look at Andrew Tate, you know, he tried to break through. Uh, is he there? around? I don't know. If he, you know in Romania, he's got his controversies. He's shaking things up. I like what he's doing. Elon Musk yeah. is shaking things up. You know, again, yeah, exactly. It's changing. One of the things that bugs me though a lot um, is the the people on supposedly our side uh, who get so caught up in trying to call out, expose. You know, everybody's controlled opposition. Everybody's in on it. I, I get so tired of this nonsense. You know, Andrew Tate and Alex Jones and Elon and. Um, uh, even Tucker Carlson, they're all they're all controlled opposition. And the problem for me is everybody's different. Everybody's got a different 
way of dealing with the system. And I think if you just keep shutting down all these people, what are you left with? You are you are you the only are you the only monopoly on truth? Because that's what eventually happens. They just keep intersectionalizing. Um, what's the word? Intersectional. Intersectional. I think that's the word. In, inter, I'll just made up a word. Intersectionalizing yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, people on our side, and they just yeah. and they just keep exposing so-called exposing uh, individuals with whom they disagree. I don't agree with Alex on everything. Alex Jones, not Alex in the studio. Although yeah. I would probably disagree with Alex in the studio with everything. <laughs> um, but in terms of Alex Jones, um, I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff. And I do agree with him on a bunch of stuff. Same with Tucker Carlson. Uh, yeah. Andrew Tate is interesting. I think, I think he, he's very, he's very much about number one, you know, Andrew yeah. is all about Andrew. Um, but I do think that he, on the one hand, he's not a good role model. I, I don't think he's a good role model at all. But he certainly says things that are worth listening to. And I think the point that I'm making, John, is that we can we can take nuggets of useful information from all these different people and we can build our own, our own image from it, if that makes sense, rather than always looking for fault. Let's, you know, I, I find it way more constructive to look for the the bits of information that I can take. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, and also uh, you go off people as well. I mean, I was very, I went through a phase of, of being very pro Donald Trump. I mean, I remember Donald Trump I was 30, too. 40 years ago, mm. you know, very pro Trump. I was too. Um, I saw him come up and I saw him coming into the political arena with a definite, uh, you know, idea of changing things, draining the swamp, I thought, was a great uh, motto. And I like that. And I think it's ongoing. I think it's still going. And I think he'll come back and probably do a very good job. But I've gone off Trump a bit because of this very pro-Israel, pro-vaccine stance. Um, he seems to want to... Yeah. The, Operation Warp Speed, I didn't agree with that. The only thing about it that I was okay with was the fact he insisted it wasn't compulsory, and I like that. Um, but this idea that Israel is just such a wonderful nation. Uh, yeah. Robert Kennedy, yeah. Robert Kennedy Jr., again, the the, the these Zionists. I, I'm, I'm, one thing I can say, Jeremy, since the invasion mm, exactly. of Gaza, is I'm definitely not a Zionist. I really am not a Zionist. I'm pro-Jew. I'm a friend. I've got friends who are Jewish, and I'm not pro-genocide. I'm. I prefer a two-state solution. But I don't hear that from people like Robert Kennedy Jr. or Donald Trump, and it worries me. Yeah. So exactly again, right. You, There's you something wrong. You can't throw yourself in with these people. You can't, uh, as you say, you, you kind of pick and choose what you like. And uh, but that that nature of politics being what it is, you kind of have to compromise. It, it's um. The idea of it's called expediency being expedient you know you you horse trade what you can and can't get through and you'll you'll negotiate on a main front you'll choose your main topics to push through and you accept that there's outliers in your th thinking that other people won't support immediately so yeah you, you you focus on the key issues push them through and hopefully people like trump people like um, elon musk yeah, um, Robert Kennedy did you junior you know the, the, the conservative I like this new shift the soft conservatism, I call it old school conservatism, where traditional values are important and the idea of respecting family, uh, love of country, patriotism is good. Um, but yeah, I don't want to go back to some of the bad stuff. I mean, obviously, poverty and sexism, misogyny. 
racism you know anybody who grew up in the 60s and 70s you know you live with racism you saw racism i saw racism against me as a second generation irish immigrant jeremy i don't want to go back to that um so yeah I, uh, generation... john just uh just to be fair i come from south africa i have no idea what what racism what racism is about <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll pull you in one day jeremy you know you, you, you <laughs> south africans you've got such a perfect uh, egalitarian system um, but you know, I was saying to I was saying to a friend of mine today. Uh, one of the one of the strategies I think that a lot of people on our side get wrong in these information wars um, is exactly that they don't have a strategy. They don't quite know what it is they're trying to do. They're just trying to expose, uh, call out. And I think the problem with that is that what what will invariably happen is that you you don't win any battles. It becomes a power game. It's, oh, I'm right and you're wrong. That's what it becomes about. I'm going to call you out on, on a public platform. Oh, why? What do you expect to gain? What is, what, is the, what is the end result here? And I think, I personally think more people should read literature like The Art of War and, um, and, and, and those types of strategy books because if you want to win in the information war, you have to obviously win battles along the way. And if you want to win battles, I think... Calling people out and exposing people who are on your side generally is a very, very, very bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. I read yeah. that when I was a student undergraduate, yeah. and that was a big thing. Why don't we teach this stuff in schools anymore? The idea of um, mm. Sun Tzu, like you say, be shrewd, you know, um, look to collaborate, look to find common ground with people, um, accept the fact that where we are right now, we're in a very divided society. It's a, you're either with me or against me. This mentality is hate mentality gives the globalists what they want. They want to divide and conquer. I think the, the smart thing That's is, exactly uh, right. you know, try and find something you can deal with the old, um, kind of, uh, old style capitalism you know with the idea that you help me i help you you know let's yeah. find a trade let's trade off something you know i can benefit you if you benefit me i, I like that let's get back to that i always use the the example of lord of the rings but this is a, a superb strategy they all come from different parts of the world of middle earth different races elves and dwarves and orcs all different but in order for the orcs and you know, the, the darkness the evil to get defeated all of those different races with all the different cultures and histories and, and stories needed to come together on common ground and not fight one another. That's how they won yeah. in the end. Yeah. And, and I, I think it, it frustrates me when I see people on our side fighting amongst themselves. True. I, I hate it. I hate it. And I like the fact that we can have mm. minor elements of disagreement and be respectful of that, you know, disagree, but don't be disagreeable, you know, allow that just say, mm -hmm. look, I'm on that point, I disagree with you. But I'm not, you know, 90% of what you say, I agree. Let's try and work around it. You know, let's try and you know, put it to the side if we can, or maybe look at it again at the future where we've seen each other's point of view in a bit more depth, you know, explain why you think that way. And culturally, a lot of these issues mm -hmm. are cultural issues, you know, the either gun ownership and you know, things like that, the, the, promiscuity use of drugs a lot of these things are very much culturally influenced and I, and I think that's something we need to take on board john look at the time almost almost didn't see that okay let's quickly promo your show yeah yeah i am um, got a great uh, show this weekend it's all about the climate cop 28 recently finished so we've got two great climate guests on sky dragon slaying uh, that's uh, airing uh, saturdays um, every saturday 
between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. That's uh, between 2 and 4 p.m. London time. We've got um, Steve Gorham, who's a very influential speaker on climate affairs, and uh, mm. Dr. Matthew Waliki. Matthew Waliki mm. is a qualified academic, and uh, it should be a great show. All right. John Sullivan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thanks, Jeremy. And uh, thank you, Alex. And uh, it's not who's who's there? It's a new pair. It's a new doing the video, I think. Hey, here we go. All right. Thank you, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will catch up with you next week. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. <laughs> <laughs>